This is a Pasco Media production. Please visit pascomedia.com. Hello and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast where we desire to provide a place of connection, rest and encouragement for all of you men and women who are on the journey of living out your passion and purpose in Jesus Christ just like us. My name is Sister Miriam James, and I am joined by my dear friends and co-host of this lovely radio, or I guess podcast, we should say we're not on the radio, uh, Heather Kim and Michelle Benzinger. And so we were just talking about adventures over the summer, and do you want to do part two, Heather, of your adventure in uh, with the bug over the summer, or do you want to save that? Because we're going to talk about rhythm, rest, and Sabbath today, so I don't know if you want to include that or not. Well, I can share the story, but let me just preface it by saying... Um, I almost died. Okay, we're no, not just talking about a bug. We were talking about a death-defying situation that happened this summer. Michelle knows that I have a, a few issues with um, a few bugs and things and things and things like that. Um, so yeah. Anyway, I went out to Phoenix to visit with a couple of friends, and it was wonderful. We ended up getting a room at this resort. And, um, you know, the pictures are always better than the real life thing. Well, that was sort of amplified by about 20. So we get there and everything is, is fine. Not quite what we had in mind, but it's okay. <clears throat> and so, um, we had spent the day by the pool, came back to our room and my friend Stacy says, Oh my gosh, there's a scorpion in here in our room. And I was like, okay, I thought she was joking because Jake and my kids were joking with me about scorpions while I was down there. Um, but it turns out she wasn't joking. There was actually a baby scorpion in our room. And she said, but don't worry, it's dead because it was laying on its back. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm still hiding behind the door. I'm like, get it, get it, do whatever you need to do. So anyway, she said, well, you finish getting ready and then I'll get it. So needless to say, when I was finished, she goes back to get the scorpion and it's not there. So then the sheer... <laughs> And the show. oh, if you all had seen us in that room, that was just, it was something, it was something. So we're like, oh my gosh, where's the scorpion? Her bag was right by where it was. So we're like, what if it's in your stuff? Like it was just, I was like, oh my goodness, I might completely lose my mind because it was just so gross and scary and we couldn't find this thing. So like we have our flashlights on our iPhones out trying to, like, in all honesty, if I'm being real, I couldn't even go into the room. Okay. I was no help at all. I was hiding in the other room, just praying that they found it. And so anyway, Stacy finds it and thank goodness is wearing shoes and she just like crushed it. We called her Scorpion Crusher after that. So anyway, she, yeah, Scorpion Slayer, I think it was actually. So she crushes the scorpion and we're like, oh my goodness, like, thank God. And, and, um, we call the front desk. And so they send up this guy he was a little odd. I'll just say that. I won't be rude. Talk behind his back. He was a little odd. And so Stacy says to him after he comes in with this big towel wrapped around his arm, like ready to get the scorpion, which was, I think, less than an inch big. And so, so Stacy says to him, I mean, is that even a scorpion? Like, could it like even hurt us or anything? And he goes, Oh yeah, it's a baby scorpion. They're actually the worst. They're the most deadly because they can't control their venom. <laughs> 
he says, yeah, if it stung you, you would die. And we were like, our eyes were like as big as saucers. And, and he goes, um, sorry. He has this like very awkward smirk on his face. He's like, yeah, sorry to have to tell you that, but we are in the desert. I mean, it's pretty common. Anything else I can do for you? And we're just standing there like, get us out of here. <laughs> Like, get us out of this nightmare. Needless to say, we totally left that hotel and found a new one um, with no scorpions. And we live to tell. Okay. Do I think, you know, you could probably, they should probably add some like cash bonuses for all the scorpions who kill in their room. I mean, you know, could help have the guest help out a little bit. I mean, that's what <laughs> yeah. I would do. Yeah, exactly. We won a prize because we killed the most deadly. <laughs> Michelle, what about you? Did you have any deadly encounters this summer? No, but I want to know what I saw. Heather uh, had texted me and then she had posted on Instagram about the scorpion. I was laughing so hard. I was crying <laughs> because I just knew that she was just like absolutely <laughs> dying. Um, yeah, I know. I was almost like, <laughs> when is the next flight out of here? <laughs> You're such a baby. Like seriously, <laughs> toughen up girl, toughen up. Um, no, for summer adventures, uh, Yes, I did have summer adventure, like almost kind of Heather's, um, you know, so we live in Pensacola on the ocean. And so one of my children decided to do surf camp this summer and which was awesome. Um, because like just to really embrace the whole ocean thing and being in beach town and all that. So we went out to the beach, other children and I, and we were watching him, um, do surf camp further down the uh, shore and of course, Pensacola is a Navy town. So my kids are in the ocean. I'm sitting on the edge and this Navy guy looks at me that is probably about 15 feet away from me. And he says, ma'am, I don't mean to alarm you, but there are two sharks about eight feet long coming towards your children and you need to get them out of the water. So I very calmly, which I'm so stinking proud of myself, or like, Lily, David, Noah, get out of the beach, get out get out. So they got out of the beach and all of a sudden I see Sam, my one that's in surf camp, probably like 300 yards down the shore from me, getting in the ocean with a friend of his and an instructor and watching the sharks go to them. So I literally walked on water to get to them. <laughs> and in my wake of walking on water, I got everybody else out of the ocean between me and my child. Oh, yeah, like, you did. Get out, get out, get out. And so I finally got to see him like, get out of the water. There's sharks. And then the sharks were almost there and they were coming. And then the surfer instructor looks at me and he totally looks like what a surfer instructor is supposed to look like. Dreads, funky, a total sweetheart, but hysterical. And he goes, um, ma'am, we've been swimming with sharks all week and we don't really worry about them until they're at least 12 to 15 feet long. And I'm like, well, <laughs> sir, this mom is going to worry about them whether they're like two <laughs> feet long. So get my child out of the water. So, but yeah. And so they waited till the sharks swam by and they hop right back on the water in the water, um, and swam away. So, um, yeah, that was my adventure is, uh, on creatures, you know, is this an episode of animal planet or is this a I, podcast? I, I, like whatever. I think, it, I think it would have been more exciting if an eight foot shark had got into Heather's hotel. Oh my God. Like that would have been die. more exciting, I think. So seriously, Heather would just die. <laughs> Oh, oh! Yeah. our poor listeners are dying right now. Okay. So, <laughs> well, because we're talking about the difference between more them and rest. And so Heather had no rest in her hotel room because there was a scorpion there. And so we're going to talk today about, you know, the school year is happening again and the air is growing crisp and the leaves are changing colors. And so we've gotten all into a new rhythm, right? Summer's over. And so, uh, what's the difference? Like, how do we incorporate 
all of that together of rhythm of rhythm rest in the Sabbath. And Michelle had this really beautiful quote. Um, and it says this, the purpose of journeying together in spiritual friendship and spiritual community, whether there are just two of you or whether you are in a small group is to listen to one another's desire for God, to nurture that desire in each other and to support one another in seeking a way of life that is consistent with that desire. And I think that quote is so rich and so beautiful, Michelle. So I'm just going to go ahead and let you talk a bit about that and kind of let us journey in this, this whole topic of rhythm, rest, and the Sabbath. Um, yeah, I love this topic. And I guess it's because it's something that um, I think the Holy Spirit has been stirring within my husband and I for the last 10 years. But actually in the last two years since we've made a big move, like what does it look like to us to live in a rhythm of life, like to have a pattern of life? And why is that so important? And mm-hmm. um and I love that rhythm is like a beat, is like a pattern of music. It is like what you dance to. It's like how you determine music. And so when I was really praying about it, mm. I just really felt the sense that like, okay, God wants to line the rhythm of his heart with the rhythm of my heart, you know? And it says, you know, trust in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, you know? But how does your heart function? And I mm-hmm. even took the word desire apart. And desire means sire, means father, and dumb means of. So when he's talking about the desires of your heart, it means of the Father. These desires, the things that he's placed in the heart, that have been ordained by the Father in us. So sometimes we think like that they're not good or they're just things that are intangible or dreams. But no, they've been ordained by the Father for us. A desire is of the Father, you know, for our heart. But how do our hearts function well? How do our function? hearts function fully alive. How do our hearts function to be aligned with the heartbeat of the father, you know, and what is the pace that we need to run our race? You know, and I think I've had to ask my questions, like a lot of hard questions, like, um, what is the race that God has for me? Mm -hmm. Like, what is the particular mission that he has for me? And so what is my lane? And so for me to stay in that lane and stay in that mission, but what is the pace? You know, like some people have an eight minute mile. Some people have a 12 minute mile or some people can be really gifted like me and have a 14 minute mile. And so, but like, I know what in my pace and how he has asked me to live my life. I know that I can catch my breath that I'm not out of breath. I know that I, a good pace for me is when you can talk also when you run and you, you know, you're really good in shape. You know, a good pace for me is I can go the distance and not, it's not a short sprint where I can't breathe. I'm exhausted. I am, um, you know, just totally spent, but just walking around and with my eyes wide open in the last, especially six months to a year, just seeing how exhausted everybody is. Like if you ask people, the first thing they'll tell you is I'm tired, you know? And, um, I think there's something, a real urgency, like, I'm sorry, I'm totally getting on a soapbox, but I think for Christian. Um, I think for Christianity today, like people are not going to agree with our theology all the time. They're not going to agree, but what they will be transformed by is how we live. And if we're living like fully alive, if we're living vibrantly and how we, and how we love one another. So how we live and how we love one another. And, um, yeah. And like sister, you and I talk about all the time, the gospel cannot be behavior modification. 
It has to be like spiritual transformation, but not just in our spirit, but in our body and our soul and our life and our community. And so what is the rhythm that we each are called to live? What is that? Pace? I, I, you know, so um, that sister, topic what does so that resonate with, with me? And in society today, being quote unquote busy is like a badge of honor, isn't it? Oh, I'm busy. And it's this kind of importance thing that we kind of do. And if we're just busy enough, that means we're important. And like you said, we're all just exhausted and all of us have to have all these things on our calendar. And, you know, if we have kids, it's like the kids have to be involved in everything that comes along. And I was reading an article not too long ago about uh, teenagers and most of them are, they, they suffer from anxiety and depression just because you wonder if they don't have just a space just to be a human person. And when you look Mm -hmm. at the way God lives, you know, how God lives and how he creates and how he, I guess you could say, manages time. There's a time for all things. And I would never say that God is busy. God is at work. You know, Jesus says, I'm always at work. Like my father, I'm always at work, but there's also time when you look at the life of Christ, you read the gospels just to be immersed in the gospels where Jesus rests. He has times where he goes away to pray, where he does ministry, where he gathers his disciples, where they eat, where they sing, you know, they sing at the last supper. And I think that that kind of allowing God to order, that's the word, you know, the word of God, the word order is the word logos and it means divine order. And so allowing God to order our life so that our life is restorative and recreative and fruitful. You know, if you plant too many crops on the same soil over and over and over again, and you don't allow it to rest or you don't interchange the crops, the soil becomes depleted. And I wonder in the soil of our souls, how many times we're just planting the same crops, kind of like what we talked last week about, we're just constantly reacting versus really listening to the Holy Spirit, being deep men and women of prayer, of power of anointing in the Holy Spirit and saying, Lord, what are you what, how are you ordering my life? And then surrendering those parts of our hearts that are disordered, that just want to cling to busyness or distraction. So we can allow the Holy spirit to come and penetrate the soil of our souls so we can give life. We can be life bearers. So I think of that and I'm very convicted in my own life. You know, there's so many people that would say, Oh, as sisters, you guys should be doing this, this, this. And we have a lot of things that we quote unquote do, but our life always is ordered around prayer and listening to the Holy spirit and what Jesus is speaking to each one of us. So those are my initial thoughts. Uh, just, I love this topic. So Heather, what about you? Yeah. What jumps to my mind immediately is the scripture from Ecclesiastes, um, chapter three, talking about how there is a time for all things, uh, a season for every activity under the heavens. And there is a time to dance. I can't help but give my foot my footloose reference. Thank you for that. Yeah, footloose for reference. Good, Heather. Yeah, and so. Uh-huh. She's dancing right now, people. I just want you to know that. Talk amongst yourselves about that. Okay, so she is dancing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, what I think though that that that's all very 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 true. And in my own experience, I found that as I was just reacting to whatever life was throwing at me, it was throwing at me way too many things. And I got to the point where it started to feel like it was crushing me, where I wasn't living, and even my rest looked more like you know, just collapsing on the couch watching Netflix, which wasn't really rejuvenating or life-giving. It was just, I was just too tired to do anything else. And I think that's what happens is that when we are running at a pace that is is more like hustle and too hard and too fast, that we don't even rest properly. And so our rest time isn't intentional. It usually isn't filled with things that are life-giving. It's just collapsing, you know, wherever wherever we, we can fall apart. And sometimes in the 
the falling apart, we let it all out on the people we love the most, you know, our family and friends and whatever, because we just have so much going on interiorly. And I got to a point where I just thought, you know what? I'm not going to do life like this anymore. Who says that I have to do life like this? Who says that I have to have my kids and every single thing, you know? And so the way that Jake and I have approached it as far as family life is to be you know, really clear with our children. We want you to be active. We want you to do things that you love, but that cannot overtake our family life. We're going to eat dinner together. There's certain things for us that that was a priority. You know, every family is different, but I think there is a conversation to be had there about how to be intentional, uh, how much time you're spending and when you are connecting as a family and what you do together. And I love the, the, whole analogy of pace. You know, the question that I ask myself often is like, am I running ahead of God? (laughs) Am I running too far behind? Or am I running with him? You know, am I at his pace? Like, I love what you were saying, Michelle, those, those ideas of like his heartbeat and my heartbeat and our pace together. Are we in, are we in union with one another as we're going through this? And I think often if we're just responding, we are either going too fast or we're falling behind and feel like we need to catch up all of the time. But when we are in God's rhythm, that's when we find like we have energy that we didn't know we had for certain things because it's the things that God wants us to be pouring into. You realize really quickly in the Christian life that you are, are incredibly weak and don't have it all. You know, So I think the more that we open ourselves up in our weakness to, Lord, what do you want to do in and through me? What do you want me to be present to? And then also acknowledging that God wants us to play. You know, that that's a really important part of rest is that we have time to play, play together, play with our community um, and do things that are life giving for us. For me, I have to have a creative outlet of some kind. And that was something I realized this summer. I was at at some points feeling a bit bored. I know, God forgive me, that, that who says that in this, <laughs> in this world? Like, I was kind of bored, but I realized interiorly, I didn't have a creative project to pour into. So that's something for me, that even if it's something simple, like cooking is creative for me, or, you know, doing some kind of art thing or design thing, but I need to have those things, that that's how God wants to bring life to me. That's how I can recreate as you as you mentioned, you know, and kind of get rejuvenated. So those are some of my initial thoughts on that. And I think, so you're like, okay, so what does it even look like practically speaking, you know, um, to create a rhythm, you know, like, you're like, great, this is awesome. Like, how do I even create? And this is where you have to go in and ask some of those deep heart questions. Like I like to say, and then you, you have to ask yourself, um, And really think and pray and ponder on this. All right, what makes me come alive when I'm at my best and how God created me? What makes me come alive physically? What makes me come alive emotionally? What makes me come alive socially? What what do I need from community? What do I need from family? What do I need from rest? And ask yourself, like, what you really need, you know, and verbalize that to the Lord and then put that in your life, make time and space for that in your life. And that also means saying no to other things, you know, and that's a really hard thing. Like for me, I took it out of my schedule. Um, I traveled a lot last year, like this fall until basically till Christmas, I totally, um, am not traveling a lot. Like I think I'm one trip from here until January. Now it picks back up in January, but I just knew that I needed some margin in my life, you know, and I really need to look at these things and that you can do one area. Well, like I can do emotionally or get my prayer time in well, but then usually something else falls like exercise or something like that. 
And I think the Holy Spirit wants to show us that you have to integrate all parts. You know, it can't just be, you know, emotionally or socially or prayer wise, you have to do all of your part. And like, since we've made the move down to Florida, like I was teaching classes like three days a week, exercise classes. And we made, I've been consistent on teaching classes and, um, and everyone feels like they're on beach time. So you like to go out and eat a lot. So like my fitness and my health have gotten, you know, uh, put on the back burner since we've been down here, you know, and now it has to come back on like the front burner and say, okay, I need to integrate this into my other parts of my life. But when I was praying about it a couple of weeks ago, just trying to get a rhythm in that, it was like, I was so convicted by the Holy Spirit. He said, when are you going to realize that your body is not something that has to be conquered or that you're at, uh, that you're at war with? Oh gosh. He said, you treat it like you're at war and you have to conquer your body. And he said, when are you going to realize it's a temple of the Holy Spirit for me to dwell in and do what I need you to do more fully, you know? And I was like, totally convicted, you know, and, um, that is it. So asking yourself those questions, like, what is it? What do I need? You know, um, and realize that the Holy spirit is in this with you to partner with you to see what makes you come alive, you know? Um, so we could totally do a whole podcast episode on that as women of how do you say no? And how do you live at peace with your body? <laughs> That's like a total series we could Seriously. do. Yeah. Isn't that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's so true. And I, that's really what, you know, whole holiness is really wholeness. Jesus Christ is fully integrated and he's not disintegrated. He's integrated in his intellect, his will, his passions, all his whole, he's totally ordered. And when we talk about women that are abiding together and on the journey toward Christ and having our passions lived out, we're really talking about becoming fully integrated women and men. It's not, we have, you know, most of us, we go to one side or the other, whether repression or indulgence, but really the virtue that firm and habitual disposition toward what is good is the middle way of integration. And it requires us to change. Like you're saying, Michelle, like to, in order to integrate, I have to change certain things. And that can be really challenging because <laughs> there's certain things that I'm not quite yet uncomfortable enough with to change, but I don't like it. So I'm just going to complain about it for a while. But <laughs> <laughs> totally. That's much easier. <laughs> Don't you think, Heather? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. Sister, just one thing I was curious about, like, how do you find, um, because of your vocation and your commitments to your community, your prayer life, there's a rhythm that happens in your community and also you travel, which is sometimes outside of those natural rhythms than when you're at home. Um, but yeah, how do you find time to get what you need in the midst of all of your various commitments to other people? I've learned that I have to make time and like, we've said it sometimes it requires saying no to certain other things. And so myself, you know, we have a holy hour every day and we have daily mass and things like that. But I, I found for myself that I need to get up earlier, even before holy hour and just spend my first 45 minutes to an hour in the day. is just with me, the Lord and a cup of coffee. And I can't tell you how many times that is just the grounding for me. And it goes from there and it goes to, I know that one of the things that's really important to me, many times we can hear the echoes of our own heart is what we loved as children. And I was a kid. I always was outside doing something active. So part of what I really need as a person is to be active. And so when I've been sitting on my desk for several hours working on things, 
I have got to make time where after lunch I get up and I go for a walk for like 30 minutes or an hour. And then I can re-engage with other things in my life. But I did, I really had to do what Michelle was talking about of saying, okay, so here's the structure of my life. Cause my, my life is very structured, which is a great blessing in many ways. But also within that structure, what are the areas where also as a person where I'm, I'm, I need to come alive, where I, I need areas of maybe even deeper discipline. It's like spiritual reading and intellectual formation, but you really do have to make a choice within your state of life of those areas that, um, that are important that are speaking that God is speaking to in that season of your life. So I really realized it wasn't just going to happen. A walk wasn't just going to happen. I had to get up from my desk and say, I'm going to just put this aside for 30 minutes and go take a walk. And it it makes all the difference for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Yeah. It seems like it's very practical and simple, but Mm -hmm. that you've had to take time to think about it and work it into your schedule. I know even when you've come to travel here, you're like, Hey, do you think we could go for a walk today? And I've always loved that because I'm like, one, I need it too. You know, I'm exactly the same as you that I'm like, I need to get outside and clear my head. I need fresh air and um, a place with no (laughs) No bugs, but fresh air nonetheless. Um, Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But yeah, that that's really, really important. And I love that you've made that a priority that you, um, just that you can verbalize that, which I think is important for other people to hear because sometimes we put our, all of our needs on the back burner and we're kind of good at that as Catholics. It's like, well, I'll take one for the team. I'll suffer. And you know mm-hmm. what? That, that is a beautiful thing. And that's something that I think we're all called to do in a number of areas is to put ourselves last and to put others first and make their needs come first. But there is a place where we have to, um, we have to do what's good for us where we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. We have to treat ourselves kindly. We have to know that God also wants us to rest. God also mm-hmm. wants good things for us, that he's not a taskmaster just asking us to hustle more and do more and sacrifice more, um, that those things are acts of love, but that he also wants to pour into us and in various ways. And that isn't just prayer time, mm-hmm. although that's a wonderful thing, but it can be just the normal things of mm-hmm. like going for a walk mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. connecting with somebody or <laughs> watching a good movie or having a belly laugh about something that these are the ways that God wants mm-hmm. to fill us again with new life and good things. Yeah. And I think when, like, I'm just noticing, um, for me, I'm just speaking personally, when I'm living out of a rhythm and I'm asking myself the questions and I feel like there's some margin to my life, like there's a little space, then I um, pay attention to my life. I see the beauty in simple moments. So true. Yep. And then it's the wonder, you know, like for me, like it's simple things. Like I walk both sets of kids to school. Their schools are in walking distance, you know, and one is really close. And another one is probably like a little bit less than half a mile down the road to get there. But I love those walks in the morning. And then on my way back when I'm by myself, I notice things like I pay attention to to trees. I pay attention to the different flowers. I pay attention to, you know, like I really, um, there's wonder. It comes back into my life and it's the simple things, you know, Mm -hmm. it's the simple things that bring, um, wonder and, um, and just like searching out those moments and stuff like that. You know, and that's Mm -hmm. huge for me. You know, I feel it almost feel like it's like my soul coming back into my body. You know, it's like, oh, you know, Mm -hmm. those little moments. Um, that that's so true. That was a great lesson from Ann Voskamp. She's a writer for those of you who haven't heard of Ann Voskamp, but she wrote a book called A Thousand Gifts. And that was one of the practices that I just learned so much from that she talked about was that she started to write a gratitude journal where she would just 
write down things she was like, and it had to be a thousand things, you know, so she really had to look for them in her day. And she talked about this experience of like, almost like the scales falling from her eyes, where before she was finding it hard to see where God was in the midst of the ordinary and the mundane and the busyness and the crazy and, and even the difficulty. Um, but as she cultivated this discipline of writing down things she was grateful for, she started to see God's fingerprints in everything. Like even, you know, in the dishes where she'd look down and see like this rainbow in the, in the bubbles, you know, or something like that, that it was the most, the littlest things that she began to see the beauty of God, um, which cultivated gratitude, which began to change her whole outlook and, um, and her, yeah, her outlook and her disposition, you know, which was really incredibly mm-hmm. beautiful. I think it's often said that uh, our idea of God is not too big. It's far too small, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And we, yeah, we make our life so narrow. And especially as you both have said so well about the hustle of life and I need to get this done. I have to conquer this versus really living a life with, with Christ, with, with rest, with rhythm, with the Sabbath, where we just drink deeply of his beauty and, you know, come alive as his children. And ultimately I think that's what we all want. We want to live a life of authentic love and freedom to be seen, known and loved and have a life that's, that's set free, even in the suffering that joy can be born. Mm, yep. That's fair. Beautiful. Um, I love this quote yeah. though. I'll just from Shauna Nikwison's book called present over perfect. I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, but she was just talking about being present to her life. And, um, she says, Present is living with your feet firmly grounded in reality, pale and uncertain as it may seem. Present is choosing to believe that your own life is worth investing deeply in instead of waiting for some rare miracle or fairy tale. Present means we understand that the here and now is sacred, sacramental, threaded with divinity, even in its plainness, even in the mundane. Present yes. is how I want to live. Mm. You know? Amen. Amen. Good quote. And that's a great book. That's a good book recommendation as well. Mm-hmm. Present Over Perfect by mm-hmm. Shauna Nequist. Well, ladies, so we talk about that. So as we kind of go forth from here, what is your one thing as we talk about rhythm, rest, and the Sabbath? What is your one thing this week that you really find piercing your heart? Heather, do you want to share your one thing with our listeners? Sure. Yeah. This song has been rolling around in my head for a few weeks now, um, but I came across a video and it's just really beautiful. And I just want to encourage our listeners to take time to, to look at it. It's a song called So Will I a hundred billion times by a thousand by Amanda Cook. So So Will I by Amanda Cook. You can find it on YouTube. Um, she's part of Bethel Worship. And in this song, I mean, it touches on some of the things we've been talking about, but it's like if if all of creation is noticing all of these different parts of creation that are crying out in glory to God, and if if the rocks are going to do it, if the mountains are going to do it, mm-hmm. then so will I. And it's really, really beautiful. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's my one thing. How about you, Michelle? My one thing is I got received for a birthday gift and I am a hard person to buy for um, <laughs> because I love to give gifts, but I'm just not an easy person on the recept- receiving thing. Um, so a good friend of mine got me this magazine. It's called Cultivate and it's the process of living from your heart. And it's from um, a group called Cageless Birds. And um, it is just this really cool magazine about creativity and living from your heart and has beautiful art in it and has beautiful reflections in it. And it totally could be a coffee table book. It's so stunning. Um, I like, I love the paper quality of it and all that kind of stuff. And um, I am just soaking it up. I just absolutely love it. So cultivate from cageless birds. What about you, sister? Mm-hmm. 
Well, mine is actually a video that you sent us, Michelle, by the same people that that have founded that magazine by Jonathan and Melissa Hessler, I believe out of Bethel. And they, uh, his wife, Melissa had a video called hope in the season of disappointment. And she talked about grieving and she talked about abiding in the father's love. And I, the first couple minutes of the video, I was watching her speak and I was thinking to myself, well, where is she going? And then it just turned a corner and I was so utterly pierced by her rawness and her vulnerability and her willingness to bring before God all that's in her heart. And I, it epically just rocked me and I passed it on to so many people and so many people wrote me back and said that video was just absolutely beautiful. And it was just, it really, cause it really challenged my own areas of my life where I keep hidden from God, where I just fear it's too messy. And that video of watching her go there and watching her cry out to the Lord and just seeing somebody else's vulnerability like that and their transparency before God, the father is children. I said, man, I want to live like that. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, Melissa Hessler and hope in the season of disappointment, her YouTube video about the ache and about drawing close to God. It was just so beautiful. I loved it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And all of these things we're going to have on our website. So if you want to check out the videos that we mentioned, the books, um, we have them all listed on our website, abidingtogether.com. And also we'll have discussion questions or journal questions that if you're meeting in groups or even individually, that you can take time to reflect on the content and discuss it with a friend or two. Yeah, amen. Well, thank you for joining us, dear listeners, in this another episode on rest, rhythm, and the Sabbath. And if you like our podcast, would you please pass it on to a friend? You can check out our website at abiding together podcast. If you give us a rating on iTunes, that really helps us as well. So we appreciate all of the feedback we get. We love to read your letters and we just hope that this new season in a special way will bless you on your journey with Christ as you abide together. So God bless you.